Broadcasting from Orchard Park, New York, and Boca Raton, Florida, you are listening to Freight 360. Whether it's breaking news, tips to increase your business, or just some good old sports talk, this podcast is all about having a conversation about the world of freight. I'm your host, Nate Cross. And Benjamin Kowalski. Let's talk freight. All right. Welcome back. Episode 116 of Freight 360. Happy Thanksgiving and Black Friday, everybody. Isn't it crazy to think, Ben, that we're we're already in the holiday season? Much more than you can imagine. Um, it just like I lost a month, so it just seems like all of a sudden I was waiting and planning for... Halloween, and then I don't know, ever. I'm sure audience knows. I, you know, I got COVID, got sick, family got sick, and all of a sudden it's like a month later, and now it's Thanksgiving in three days. Yeah, wow. And it's just so we normally record know. on Wednesdays. We're recording on Tuesday this week. So um, when this drops on Friday, it will be Black Friday. We will have found out the result of my Buffalo Bills Thursday night um, Thanksgiving game in uh, New Orleans. The Big Easy is that the nickname for New Orleans? The Big Easy. It is. Um, the Bills need a big win because they lost to the Colts at home, um, like terribly this past weekend. It was it was a really really bad game. So, <laughs> Bills dropped pretty far in the power rankings. They're actually not even in first place in our division right now. The, the Patriots squeaked ahead, but um, yeah, man, I caught that. So yeah. good stuff. It wasn't to, great. What's that? Of, of all, I said I did actually catch quite a bit of it. Got a got a chance to watch. I guess you would say. The highlights, yeah, but the low lights. <laughs> it is what it is. But uh, <laughs> I mean, we're gonna keep this a, a, a fairly light episode. We're gonna talk about you know the running your own, or really launching your own brokerage to you know to own it versus the agency model. Uh, we'll get in that in a little bit here. Um, you know, it's a holiday episode here. We know a lot of folks tend to listenership goes down, and then people they come back and catch up on these ones. So. Um, yeah, we'll make it make it nice and easy. But hey, before we get into that, I want to um, give you guys a little info on our webinar coming up. So Ben and I, uh, we're going to be doing a, a second webinar with DAT next month, December 15th. That's at 1 o'clock Eastern. Uh, that's a Wednesday. Um, and this is a follow-on to the last one we did. So this is all going to be... It's all about growing your business, so very sales-related. We're going to talk about prospecting and follow-ups and leveraging your technology and things like that. Um, so you know, make sure we'll, we'll get a link on our website, or there's definitely a link in the show notes here, and we'll put it out in our newsletter. But make sure you get registered for that one. We had, well, close to 1,000 on the last one, didn't we? I think it was well over that. I think it was something like 1,800 So 1,800, I think, signed up. And then I think we had about half of that that actually showed up live. We had a little bit of a technical difficulty there. Ben, I think you hit the stop record button or something. I don't know. I'm not not a go-to meeting or whatever platform that was expert. So it could have been either one. It was a new platform for me as well. But (laughs) yeah. yeah. We'll make sure in our But at the end of the day, it was a great recording. I mean, we got really good feedback. You and I both enjoyed it. I thought... Honestly, I mean, we do this every week and we've been doing it for years now. I thought it was a really good webinar. I think we got a lot of good feedback from the audience and a lot of people reached out afterwards, you know, wanting to do when the next one's going to be up and coming. So I'm I'm really looking forward to it. Definitely. Absolutely. So uh, save the date, December 15th, one o'clock Eastern. And uh, I think we went about an hour on the last one and it'll be you know, be within that same time frame as well. So, uh, but welcome back everyone for another great week here. Uh, make sure to share us with your friends, leave that review, 
five stars, help us rank high in the uh, in the charts the charts there. Um, I already hit on the sports, even the Steelers, man. That was uh, was that Sunday Sunday lost, night game? Yeah, lost well, lost to the Chargers. I think it was honestly it was. I can't remember if it was Monday. Um, I think it was Sunday. But, yeah, yeah, Monday's night's game was uh, Tom Brady beating up on the Giants. So yeah. But hey, you know what, man? For, for both but, Buffalo and Pittsburgh's sake, I hope hope we start seeing some 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 win column numbers changing there. <laughs> but uh, yeah, we'll start with expectations. Yeah, I think Steelers are kind of right on where I expected them. Um, neither high nor low. Hopefully, they'll take a win in the next game. We'll see. Hey, some guy I saw today. Some guy did a 15 game parlay that won last night or Sunday night, whatever. Fifty bucks and he won over a million. <laughs> like the, wow, the Caesar fifteen game parlay. Yeah, it was nuts. He had like everything from like NFL to college football, basketball, hockey, women's. Uh, is it the LPGA, the Ladies Professional Golf? Right. Mm-hmm. He had like a little bit of everything in there, and it it finally hit Sunday night and for a million bucks. Like I couldn't imagine. That's awesome. I, I don't like to do parlays. It's like you're taking a yeah, shot. Yeah, kudos to you. Right. <laughs> like. Hey, he's got a million bucks now. Good for him. Or her. I don't know. They didn't say it was a guy or girl. 600 after taxes, yeah. either way. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> half, half of it goes to Uncle Sam. So, well, cool. Um, let's uh, give a shout out to our friends over at DAT and we'll get into it. Taking the guesswork out of freight with DAT. The DAT Load Board Network is the largest on-demand freight marketplace in North America. Connecting freight brokers with available capacity on any lane. Grow your business with tools that allow you to find new business partners. Plus, you can quickly qualify and onboard new carriers. And with the industry's leading freight rate data, you can make clear and confident pricing decisions. Check out the show notes for a free month of DAT Trucker's Edge, Power, and Express. Absolutely. So we've consolidated all of our referral links. There's a sponsor affiliates um, link right in there. Take it right to our website. You can see all the great stuff we got in there from um, DAT to lean to uh, everything, right? TMS, good stuff. So check it out in the show notes. Good stuff. All right. So today's topic, owning a brokerage versus being an agent. All right. Um, the reason we wanted to talk about this is we have seen a lot of people that it may not be in their best interest to launch their own brokerage, but for the wrong reasons, they think that it is the right choice, right? There, I get it. There's some sense of pride when you own a business, right? And you are, you know, you're striking out on your own. You are the everything from the janitor to the accountant of that business, right? Um, but in reality, you can still own an agency and run that and avoid a lot of the headaches. So, now, I will tell you this. There are some people that are way better fit to run a brokerage than be an agent because they don't, they don't want to have to mold to someone else's policies or have someone else tell them that they are wrong at certain times, right? They want, they want all that ownership themselves, and that's fine. But if you're not, first of all, financially prepared to run your own brokerage, you are going to run into a lot of issues that you would not have if you're running an agency. And Ben, speaking of which, is this, go ahead. can we go back yeah. to what you first just said? Because I think that's worth diving into, right? What are the motivations that you tend to see when somebody, because you get this question a lot and you have a lot throughout your career, right? Yeah. Somebody approaches you and says, hey, 
I want to own my own agency, and they say, I don't want to be told what to do. Like, what does that mean? Like, what like what are they looking for? Yeah. You've had these conversations so, hundreds of times. Uh, we've talked about the agent model before. It's it's um <clears throat> it's sort of like a hybrid between being an employee of a company and running and owning your own brokerage, right? You don't have a boss because you're not an employee, um, but you also don't own the company that you're that you're representing. So for that reason, you do have some procedural things or certain things that you may be overridden on. Right, like a decision to how to handle a, a carrier dispute or a customer price discrepancy, something like that. Right, uh, if you run your own brokerage, you can do whatever you want. If you're an employee of a company, you probably have your hands tied. If you're an agent, it's somewhere in between. You might have some discretion, but ultimately, the owner of that company that you're an agent for may be may use their experience and expertise that's beyond yours and tell you that this is actually the way we're going to handle it because it's the, the best way. And so can that, I ask that's, you that's something more about the, that? the whole idea of people sure. want to be told what to do. Can I ask you a little bit more about that? Can yeah. you give me an example of one instance where like the best way to do, right? Because obviously that's yeah. objective, but you've seen a lot on both sides of the fence. Yep. So I mean like yeah. your candid opinion sure. of, I mean, anything that you've come up or you've come across that you feel like maybe could have gone one way, but kind of fell on the way of experience. Yeah. So, I mean, I've got a ton of examples. I'll give you one that actually happened today and it involves a Tonu, right? The agent comes to me and says, um, hey, I had a load cancel. I had a driver on it, and um, I canceled the driver. He still showed up at the pickup. The customer obviously refused him because they had canceled the load early in the morning. He's like, so the customer's not going to give a tonu, but I still offered to pay them 100 bucks myself. And the carrier started, you know, mother after me telling me that he wanted 250 and now we're not talking, and I don't know what to do. And... So if you run your own brokerage, you could do whatever you want, right? You could say, um, fine, F this guy. I'm not going to pay him a tonu. Or you could pay him a tonu, right? If you're an employee of a company, they probably have a procedure on how you're going to handle something like that. Um, as an agent, it's kind of in the middle, right? It's like, well, you know, this guy's obviously frustrated that the carrier's yelling at him. So he's got one perspective. Me, looking at it from a different you know, a higher level perspective and seeing hundreds of these situations over the over the time, I started asking questions, right? Was that driver already dispatched before you canceled him? Did you inform this driver that it was canceled as soon as you found out? How long, if he was in route, how long was he in route for before you had it canceled? And then, um, you know, why does he feel like he deserves 250, but you only deserve 100? And why is your customer not willing to pay it, but you think that the carrier deserves it? There's so many, so many questions, right? What were some of those, though, from this instance? Because this is a perfect example, and this comes up every day in brokerages. It yeah. comes up with new agents. It comes up with veterans. Like, what yeah. was the scenario? So, um, well, the amount of information I got out was this. The customer canceled the load because... It was going to be a partial, and they decided to consolidate it with another shipment later in the week and just send it out as one full truck. Understandable. Mm -hmm. um, what I didn't get a chance to find out, though, was the carrier's side of the, of the question as far as, you know, because there's always two sides, right? The broker can say, I told him right away, oh. and the carrier yeah. might say, that's not true. It canceled this morning. I didn't know that. I found out when I was five minutes away. So I didn't get both sides of the story, so I don't have all that information. Um, but what I did say, I, I told him, the agent, and I said, in my opinion, from what you told me, it sounds like this guy deserves a tonu. 
Um, what I would do is I would, I would, you know, 100 to 250 is a standard Tonu. Depends on how long that, you know, their, how much of their time was actually used, right? Um, because if the guy, if it was five minutes, no, he's not getting 250. But if the guy spent three hours driving to a pickup and it got canceled, you know, it's a different situation. So I, I said I recommend that, you know, you pay, you tell him you're going to give him 100 bucks, send a new rate confirmation, and if he has any discrepancies beyond that, he could take it up with corporate and we'll find out more information. But the guy, the driver is refusing to talk. He, he doesn't want to talk to anyone. He's just pissed off. And that's fine. He can be pissed off. He obviously, excuse me, cares more about his pride than he does about actually getting any kind of payment on this load, ironically. Right. So. But they're well, not ironic because that that con turns into a pro, right? Because having ultimate decision making authority seems great, but also the buck stops with you. In yeah. this scenario, you can offer a reasonable, you know, in the middle. Hey, I'll I'll meet you with half of it, whatever that is. But again, in your scenario, like, hey, you still get to kick it to corporate, and there's a benefit to that. Like, yeah. there really is. Because a lot of times, too, and we've done this with customers too at the corporate level is. We're able to really, really peel back the layers, find out a real situation, and offer to meet in the middle, where a customer pays a little bit and we'll absorb some of it. The carrier eats, you know what I mean? Like there's, there's all kind, and because we've done this hundreds and hundreds of times, right? So we know how these situations work. They're all different, but we've been there before and we've done that. And having that wide net and that wide reach and a broad variety of ex, of, ex, of examples we can speak to and refer back to we can make a better decision going forward. Whereas the agent, he's flustered and frustrated, right? And that's all he's thinking about. He's not thinking about, hey, does this carrier ever get used by anyone else in the company, right? Or he's also thinking, well, maybe this is one of my only customers and I don't wanna wanna piss them off and tell them that they owe a Tony when they actually might have, I don't know all the information. So they're thinking more singular and narrow-minded, whereas we have a, a bit a more broad perspective, and we can give them guidance on what is the really the real best thing to do here. Um, and the thing about this, if you're just a one-person brokerage that you know you own your company, you might get blacklisted right there by that carrier, or you might lose a customer over it, and now that has a major impact, all because of the one decision that you made. So well, and it might seem yeah, because at the time, and we're all emotional beings, right? Like you get flustered, you're frustrated, you're in the middle of it, and especially if you're a smaller shop, you know, a couple person brokerage. Like honestly, what's probably on your mind is how do I get the next load picked up? What is the next priority? Somebody's probably urge some probably urgent situation, or somebody else is already upset with me. I need to get to. I need to get through this to get to that you don't have the ability to step back and look at it objectively, right? So you don't necessarily get the chance to evaluate how this affects all of your business. And to your point, like, hey, maybe it's a one-off carrier. Maybe it's one driver and it's a 300 carrier, you know, 300 unit carrier that happens to run major lanes for another one of your prospects that could have a huge impact on your business and you just don't have the time or the bandwidth to be able to step back and see. Yeah, so the, another situation, too, outside of Tonu is just think about this. If you're running your own brokerage, what happens if you're sick one day, right? And you're down and out, but you've got active loads going on, and you can't field calls from your drivers that are in route, and they have questions, right? What's good about being an agent, that agent sees a rate confirmation. Yeah, they might see your name and phone number, but if they can't get a hold of you, 
they know the brokerage company's name and phone number and address and all that stuff. And they can call corporate and say, hey, I can't get a hold of uh, your broker or your agent that I booked this load with. Can you guys help me out? And we've done that so many times. And that's one of the things I offer and I explain to all my agents is, hey, if you're going to be out or you're sick, let us know ahead of time. But if it, you know, if it does happen and it's last minute, this is a good benefit here. And we will always do whatever we can to help take care of any issues you've got going on. And that's why I always recommend put as many notes on the load as possible. So if I've got to go in there and take care of something, you've at least left a, a trail of breadcrumbs that I can pick up where you left off and make the best decision to make sure this driver knows, oh, he needed this pickup number or um, some special instructions on the delivery or something like that. We could, you know, and you don't have that benefit if you're running your own shop. So if there's given and I, think, and, and I think there's another, I mean, not to, to go on the tangent, whether you own your own shop or are an agent, regardless, these are good practices to get in the habit of doing because if you cannot take time away from your business for any reason, whether it's a death in the family, an emergency, a sickness, or just wanting to take time away with your family, right? Like you're eventually going to need to delegate some of your responsibilities to somebody else. Yeah. It is absolutely a nightmare to do that if you don't have habits and systems already in place. Yeah. It's much easier to bring a person on, you know, from, from lean or from anybody, right? If you're hiring somebody that has experience, you're bringing them into the fold. If you're not doing the things that you're talking about now, like making sure all of this information's in there, you're never going to be able to get help, no matter who it is, whether they're experienced or not. Absolutely. hundred percent. That's a, and like you said, that's a best practice, whether you're W2 1099 or you're on your own shop, right? That stuff that spills over in, in all three situations. Um, so I want to talk about the financial side of it too, and I'll give you a real world example. So I talked to, um, a couple guys recently that they've spent, you know, decades combined in brokerage. So they have the knowledge and they know how to handle that stuff. And they're considering, should I go run my own shop? Or should I do an agency model? And just having conversation with them, some of the questions that they asked, they, their mind was blown away because they didn't even think about some of this stuff. So they're asking about, you know, uh, they can get investors, right? And they can get low interest access to, to money to fund their business and factoring and this and that. Um, and then they're asking, you know, the agency mm -hmm. side, sure, they don't have to worry about that but they're going to give up a percentage of their, their profits to, you know, to have that agency run. And one of the questions they asked me was, um, so if, you know, let's say our customer goes beyond their 30 day terms, um, how much interest are we as a brokerage paying on that credit line for every day that they don't pay on time? And I, I like it shocked them, but I was like, we don't pay any because we don't, we cash flow everything. We have money in the bank. We're floating that. Right. They, and they're, they're thinking you're paying, that, you're paying it. You're just not paying it to somebody else. It's an right. opportunity cost for it peers, is an opportunity right? cost. Yeah. Right. But it blew their mind to think that a brokerage can operate debt free and not have to rely on a revolving credit line that accrues interest after 30 days. And I'm like, well, yeah, that's why we're so successful. And we can be flexible when it comes to credit terms. Right. We can give a customer 15 day terms if we need to or we can give a, a, you know, a preferred carrier potentially, you know, 14 day payment terms or something like that or offer stuff that you don't have to ask a third party for approval on. Right. We can just do it because we we have the economies of scale that we can we could, you know, kind of bend a little bit without breaking. 
Well, yeah, and it's because you're able to spread the risk, I mean, in reality, over many more customers, over many more agents, over many more dollars, over many more accounts, over many more loads, right? One person with a few customers is not able to spread that risk out as much as a larger entity, right? Like, Mm -hmm. that's really just what economies of scales mean, right? Yeah. But in this instance, like, that's a huge benefit back to an agent. And another thing, right, when you go back to that cost, when people think like, Oh, like I can just raise capital, right? The one of the biggest things that I've run into, even when I used to work at a bank, was what is the cost of that capital, especially private capital? Because right now, private capital is seeing really good returns in the market. So you're not going to see a two or a three percent like loan who's going to give you that amount. I mean, you're super high risk as a new business owner, even if you have your own customers, even if they say they're going to follow you because it's all new to you, right? Like nobody's going to give you the same interest they're going to give you as like, a CD at a bank, like maybe if you're going down the SBA route, which is a whole other rabbit hole that yeah. has a whole lot of restrictions and a whole lot of things that like aren't even really worth digging into. Yeah. No, it's a good point though. I mean, in just on the finance side alone, think about the am- amount of people that have asked us and we've gone through it in a lot of our coaching sessions. They're running into the same thing. I don't, I'm being told that I'm not financially worthy or credit wise worthy enough for a carrier to take a load from me or mm-hmm. for a factoring company to allow a carrier of theirs to take a load from me. Right. So and these are the things that if you don't have cash in the bank to pay a carrier quickly for the first month or so. And I had Will Jones on last week when you were out, Ben, and he, he walked me and us all right through when he started one of his brokerages in the past, he had to prepay or I guess pay upon uh, half upon pickup and ha- the other half upon delivery, every single load for the first like one to two months to get just not even his credit rating, but to get reputation built up with his go-to carriers. And, and wait, wait, wait. So hold on, because that's just his go-to carriers, right? right? Like that does not get reflected into the market, which means like that value and that amount of work that he put into paying half of every load up front half of every load upon delivery, which is twice the invoicing work, right? Just got him the value with the carriers in his network, which means every other carrier in the market doesn't have any idea that ever happened and doesn't take any value from it. It didn't didn't help them at all. And he explained, you know, it took even longer to get them to report those payments. So then then that would eventually be reflected upon the the open network. So, um, but the, the thing that the reason he was able to do that is the guys that had him start the brokerage, they had the financial capability to do that, right? They weren't they weren't trying to rely on a factoring company to give them the approval to do that, right? They actually had right. the funds. And that's where um, you don't have to deal with that on the agent side. So, um, you know, we're we are big, obviously big proponents of figuring out what is the best choice for you. We break it down in our course very detailed, right? Even if you are an agent, we have modules in our course that talk about how to get your business started in the back office where you're not doing that every day as an agent, but you need to understand that process and how it works because it's part of the big picture to your equation, right? Um, some people, it is the right choice for them to go start their own brokerage. They're in the right spot in their life. They have the knowledge. They've got someone in their corner to help them out with issues. They've got the financial capability. They've got all the pieces in place and they're going to succeed. 
right? But that's another, you put out so many good points too right there, right? Like it's not just your business acumen, your ability, your ability to take risk, right? It's also where you are in your life, right? How much you need to depend on the income, how quickly you need to be bringing in real dollars to your family and how quickly do you need those to grow? Because under the W-2, you could bring them in the fastest, but yep. it's at a lower number. Under an agent, a little slower, but a little bigger number. As an owner, way slower, but it eventually gives you a larger piece of the pie and it just takes That's longer to bake a much bigger pie. You are 100% hit the nail on the head right there. And I was gonna say the same thing myself, but you hit it right there, Ben. So um, absolutely. So our advice that we give on this show and on our website and all of our content, a lot of it is, is broad enough that it applies to everybody, but some of it is specific to certain people in certain circumstances, right? If you're a W-2 or an agent, you don't really need to figure out step-by-step step how, to, how to do your process agent form. And we covered that in one of our recent um, pieces of content. Um, it's still good to understand, but you're never gonna have to actually do it yourself. Whereas simple sales tips and um, professionalism things and how do I handle the situation, that stuff will, it'll exist in any one of those scenarios. So. Um, just make sure whatever, if you're new into brokerage, take a big look and not just the objective points, but look at subjectively a lot of things like Ben, like you said, where are you in your life, right? Can you really afford to delay having that income because you want to go launch your own business? Or is it a better idea to maybe go spend some time as an employee for a brokerage, learn that way before you go off on your own and, uh, you know, shoot for the fences yourself. Well, I want to throw a, a couple random things that, that allowed me to really understand this premise from a different perspective where one, when I really learned how franchises worked, not even in transportation, just all franchises, I thought that like owning the business was like the only way you built wealth, right? And then you learn, even through McDonald's is a great example, right? Like Ray Kroc did not make his fortune because he owned every McDonald's he realized that he made the money on the land and franchising it and letting other people build businesses. Yep. It doesn't matter where you are in the food chain, see what you're getting out of it and see what the effort is that's going into it and make sure that fits within your life. Because whether you own a portion of it, all of it, or even work for one, they all could be a fit for you. It just matters what you really want at this stage and what you're trying to achieve. Yeah, and what's cool is you can move around. You can be an employee and then go be an agent or, or then, and then after that, go start your own brokerage, right? Yeah. You can do these in different, different stages and phases. I've seen people that were agents and then they're like, I'm going to take some time. I'm going to go work as a W2 for one of my customers and help them build out their transportation department. Cause I just, I want to learn a little bit different side of the industry. And then once they do that, maybe they go back to the brokerage side of it and being an agent again or launching their own brokerage, right? You can do that. And I honestly, the more exposure and experience you have across different parts of this industry, the more well-rounded you become and the better logistician you become overall. So, like, I mean, even yeah. look at someone like yourself, Ben, you have such a strong background in finance that I don't have and a lot of other brokers don't have, but you can take a lot of that knowledge and apply it, right? Same thing with two, two different types of brokerages that you've worked in, right? Big and small. There's a lot. Or even of carrier versus oh, so like customer side. Like yeah. even two sides of the same fence, right? Like it just gives you so much more, I don't know, bandwidth, the ability of understanding who you're dealing with and the services you're providing. It just makes you more valuable at your position. Absolutely. So 
So that's a little discussion on launching your own brokerage versus the agent side. Didn't want to get too deep into it. It's a nice little Black Friday episode for everyone there. Um, we got a couple Q&A questions before we wrap it up here. But first, got to give a shout out to our friends over at Lean Solutions Group. We're going to be having Trey on next month, right? Yes. The third week of December. Yeah, third week of December. He'll be on. Um, and he'll be down. I think he, he's going to be in, in Columbia either the week before or after. And I want to pick his brain on it because obviously we talk about Lean all the time. They have this awesome, awesome business model with nearshore staffing. So they've got three offices down in Columbia, South America, where they've got trained expert logistics folks, right? These are people that are trained and vetted in transportation and they'll find out, is this person a better, better suited for back office or for um, operations or for account management? So if you're growing your business and looking to hire bodies, we all know it's so hard right now to hire and retain folks. Lean is your go-to. If you're even just considering it, give them a call or fill out the form of their website. We've got a link if you go to the, the show notes, again, the affiliates or sponsors part. It's leangroup.com or go to our website and get in touch with them. Um, it's a great business model. And I've been seeing a lot of pictures from their sales reps. One of the guys that we met when we were down in their office earlier this year, and he's got pictures from their office overlooking just a beautiful landscape with mountains and everything down there. we got to make a trip down there, Ben. Okay, Sometime soon. Absolutely. I mean, that. we're doing more and more work with them. I mean, I know I'm interviewing a few people for a couple other positions actually in the process right now. I was going through it. Um, Two weeks ago, looking to pick a couple other people. So, I mean, nice. I'm anxious, anxiously awaiting being able to take a trip down there sometime soon. Absolutely. Good stuff. All right. So, here's a couple Q&A questions for you guys today. Uh, first one, is it okay for me to start off with little to no sales experience? It's actually a great question. We just, we talked about a lot of this stuff, you know, just earlier with, you know, experience and where you should start off. Um, and I say absolutely, right? Because, and I'll tell you why. Um just because you have no sales experience does not mean that you won't be a good salesperson, right? A lot of it comes down to your personality and your ability to build relationships and to work with those relationships as good things happen, bad things happen, and everything in between. So if you don't have any sales experience per se, well, the positive is you don't have any bad habits that you've got to overcome or get rid of, okay? Now, my caveat there, if you don't have any sales experience because you're intimidated by the sales process, then that's, you know, it's another situation. You're probably going to want to go work for someone and flex that muscle a little bit, figure out the sales process, how to get new customers, how to work with carriers and build up that carrier base. What do you think? I, I, I can see both sides of this every time I'm asked this question. Yeah. I think like, again, if you, if you want it, give it a shot. Everybody that is good at anything on this planet at some point in time wasn't and they learned how to do it. Um, but I will also say that I think some people have an inherent, I don't want to say ability, but like an enjoyment for it, right? Like they enjoy just interacting and being outgoing and they tend to not like internalize the rejection that you're going to have to deal with in sales. Yep. I would say, hey, if you kind of have those tendencies, you're more likely to have a smoother path. But it's difficult like anything else when you're learning anything new. And I mean, yeah. we're here to help and we're here to provide resources and guidance because at the same time, I sucked at sales when I started. And, you know, it took training and it took polishing and work and repetition. Yeah. So if you are, like we just said, if you're hiring, right? So if you're, if you're hiring people, right, I also want you to consider this same question when you look at some of your potential candidates. Um, I'll take you back to when I first got into the, uh, the the brokerage world, okay? I had three big career 
um, items on my resume, per se, I guess, before that, before I started in brokerage. I had logistics and transportation for the military. I had working for an asset-based trucking company. And then I had a sales job for a technology company that was totally unrelated to trucking. And my the guy that hired me, he didn't want to hear about my transportation in the Army. He didn't want to hear about the asset-based company. All he wanted to know about was my sales experience, and which is fine. You know, we talked through it, and he liked it. But he quickly found out in my first year and, you know, years beyond that, that I came way more armed than my colleagues in transportation and logistics knowledge that excelled me beyond what they were, right? The sales stuff is obviously good, but I brought industry knowledge that it allowed me to interact with folks on the phone and in personal conversations that other people couldn't, even though they were good salespeople. So there's, you know, every situation is different. I, I really caution you as a, as a someone that's hiring to consider this when you're selecting a new candidate, right? So it all depends, right? Because you also might hire somebody that's um, great at sales and you can, they can learn transportation or vice versa. They might have a ton of logistics experience and suck at sales, but you find out they're a great operations fit inside your brokerage. So just food for thought. And all right. Every single one of those was really good points just for the simple fact that like, even when you tell that story and I know kind of the punchline, like it's still always every time I hear it, like I feel like your sales experience would have made me want to hire you. But like, you're right, because your ability to establish rapport quickly with people on the phone was based on your understanding of the topic, which is yeah. what allowed it to feel kind of both at the same time. Absolutely. All right, our next question here is, um, it's almost tax season, so what are some write-offs for 1099 agents? And I want to expand this, okay? I want to talk about write-offs in general, because a what lot is of a write-off? Start there. What's that? You can just start off with what is a write-off. Oh, okay. <laughs> Good point, Ben. Good point. A write-off, right? This is something that you spent money, and it's related to your work. And for that reason, you're able to deduct that amount from your taxable income when you file your taxes. It doesn't mean that you spent $200 and the government's going to give you back the $200. It just means that you don't, you don't have to pay your tax amount on that $200. So... Common examples, and I'll answer the agent part first, but then I want to I want to go into the the remote work thing because a lot of people have worked from home since the pandemic started, and it's going to continue on and on. I think in a lot of companies, so we'll talk about some of that stuff too. And again, me and Ben, we're not tax pros, but we've been around the block enough to know this stuff. So if you're an agent, your home office, right, your phone bill, your internet bill, your physical computer, anything that you're spending money on that's directly tied to your business a visit to go to meet with a customer. So the airfare, your lodging, your food, right? Those are all tax deductible. You can write that off and your accountant will be, will 100% be able to help you out with that stuff. Now, the W2 side, right? Think about that. So, and this is where it's kind of a, you know, I'm sure there's gonna be a lot of questions that people have with their, their tax folks this year. Like, hey, I'm a W2. Can I write off some of my home business expenses now for my home office? The answer is yes. There's a, I think it's a percentage or something like that that you can write off. What do you, do you know either, on that? Yeah. So the way it has, and I don't know what it's, I don't know what they changed it to this year, and I don't know what last year's code was, but it typically is either by square footage or a percentage, and it usually ends up as a round number of you usually can't go above 25%. Even if your house was technically like 70% business under some weird circumstance, 
typically the IRS goes up to, I think it had always been around a quarter, or you can do it per square footage based on like what you actually use. And your car is similar too, by the way. Yeah. It's either by mileage or by like actual trips. And there's something too where, and this is definitely a W-2 thing, right? You can take the standard deduction or you can itemize. And if you're, yeah. if you itemize all your write-offs and it's not, it doesn't exceed the standard deduction, there's no point and trying to itemize them because you're already given the standard amount. And I don't, I think it was like 12 grand for a single dude last year or like double that if you're married. Mm -hmm. um, but this is important stuff. Don't leave money on the table, right? <laughs> I, uh, I personally trust myself to manage money better than I do the federal government. So I'm going to try to write off as much of that as possible and keep it to myself, that hard earned income. But absolutely. I mean, it does bring up a couple other points, stuff that you and I have even talked about in the past week or two. I mean, like difference between W-2 and 1099, right? Self-employment tax, um, yeah. paying into Social Security, that seven and a half or seven and a quarter that you're paying that versus your employer paying 15, like that adds up. Like when you look at, hey, when you're doing 100, even a, a, a six figure job, 100 a year, like 7%. Like that's a big difference on what you get to take home. I mean, these are considerations you should be talking to your financial professional about before you also make the decision to buy, start your own brokerage, go into the agency model, or even go into W-2. Yep, you are 100% correct. So I do love seeing people work from home. Those that, you know, those that like it and prefer it, if they have the option to, I love seeing, you know, letting employees work in, in the atmosphere and the circumstances that, they best prefer, right? Because some people, they suck at working from home and they couldn't wait to get back to the office and their managers couldn't wait to get them back to the office. But there's some, man, they just spread their wings and they flew. And I love seeing yeah. that kind of stuff. So. Yeah, it's Good nice stuff. to see freedom of choice no matter where it's coming from. I Absolutely. mean, even if it's, you know, a hybrid situation or you're one or two days in either or and you get to spend a little bit more time with your family or your hobbies or your interests or whatever it may be, like, hey, progress is progress. Absolutely. Well, good stuff. So coming up the pipeline here, um, obviously big DAT webinar coming up in, um, in December, we're going to be doing a, a, a nice software and TMS episode, uh, in December as well. People ask us all the time about TMS. What should I use? What functions and features do I need? We're going to really, really dig in on TMS next month. Um, we're going to have Trey on as well. And, and talk about a whole lot. I know he wants to beat up on my bills now that his Kansas City Chiefs have uh, have somehow made a, a leap comeback this season. So Yeah, not to put uh, you on the spot, but I think the last thing is we also need to make sure we get a um we got a market update going into the end of the year. I know we've been trying to figure out whether or not we're going to have Ken Adam on or Dean Croak for an end of year economics yeah. update on what's going on with the market. So everyone wants to know what's happening, right? We knew starting this year off, we knew we were coming off of a, a wild year of shutdowns in 2020. But now we want to look at, because we had Ken on earlier this year and he projected out 2021, we could take a look back. And even if we get him on in January or something, we'll look back and how how accurate was he? How close was he? I mean, you know, I think the the only two jobs that you can have where you're consistently wrong are um, being an economist and being a, a meteorologist, right? So, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. A weatherman and economist. <laughs> That's it. So that's good stuff. I'm excited. We've got a lot of a lot of good content coming up. Um, obviously, you guys have noticed we, we're putting out new videos almost every single week here. Um, thanks to our friends at Lean for some some uh, bit of YouTube expertise there and making some somewhat awkward, but apparently they're 
effective thumbnails. I always think it's funny when I see a new thumbnail of myself mm-hmm. with a goofy look on my face and my friends and family make jokes about it. But hey, that's the stuff I click on when I go on YouTube, right? Yeah, it works. So. And if you haven't followed us yet, check us out on Facebook, check us out on Instagram, you know, throw a like on our YouTube channel. All of it helps. We appreciate any support and anything you guys throw out there. Yeah. Um, let us know too, if you guys got more questions or uh, topic recommendations or requests hit up the contact form or email us info at freight360.net. Some of our upcoming um, content, how to find shippers, how to find carriers, um, freight sales tips, all that, you know, all the good stuff that you guys are consistently searching for and asking us about. We're getting to it. We're only, we're only two humans, so we can't do everything instantly, but we'll get there. So good stuff. Good stuff. You got any big uh, Thanksgiving plans or like, are you a black Friday shopper or anything, Ben? I do not. I have nothing on the horizon. Trying to just kind of get back to normal after not feeling too well. But it was nice. Got out to the beach over the weekend. I picked up my beach pass actually at lunchtime today for the next year. So I'm going to be taking nice. the family down to the beach probably a couple of days this weekend. My daughter is now finally discovering the ocean. Did two and a half. Loves it. She was chasing a pigeon. Or pigeon? Seagull? I don't know. I guess you're at the beach. So it's not a pigeon, but chased a, a seagull all the way down the beach yesterday the afternoon. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> nice. Well, um, quite, opposite, quite opposite of you, we, uh, we don't really have beach passes up here in Buffalo, especially this time of year. What I did do, though, I think I told you, I built a backyard ice rink last year. Did you build um, one for this year yet? Is it cold enough yet? So so let me, I'll break it down for you real quick. So last year, when it got cold enough, I just shoveled the ground and sprayed it with a hose until it froze. And eventually, it became a decent ice rink. So this year, I built a big, like 40 foot by 20 foot, which is not massive, but for my backyard it is, yeah. 40 foot by 20 foot um, frame with like 10 inch high wood around it. And then when it's cold enough, which we got to have, I think it's three days of consistent freezing weather. So maybe next month or right after New Year's, I bought a liner for it. So the liner sits inside of that frame and you just flood it and then it freezes over. Perfect, dude. So I'm, I'm making making strides here with the backyard rink. So. I, I don't want to put you on the spot, but I am curious what the installation ballpark cost was on the oh, ice. Oh, so rink. I did it on the cheap, man. So um, I'll tell you, if you buy, so last year I had no installation costs, right? Just the cost of my blood, sweat, and it was tears. Still impressive, out there nonetheless. Like I shared that photo with everybody I know because it yeah. was like every childhood dream to have yeah. an ice skating rink in your backyard. So it was sweat equity, sweat equity last year plus a pretty hefty water bill because I had to it, I had to keep spraying it all the time, right? Because it would <laughs> thaw and melt, whatever. So this year, well, now I'll tell you the high end, right? If you go buy a kit that's like designed just for that, they're like three or four thousand dollars. So I spent three hundred and fifty dollars last week. My brother and I went to Lowe's, bought all the lumber, and lumber's obviously a little more expensive. Two right by now, eight, so two it by would six, have been two something normally, but three hundred and fifty bucks got me all the wood, all the screws. Um, stakes to put around it to to drive into the ground because the water is going to push out when I fill it up. It's got to be supported. Uh, more wood for bracing the where the the two by tens connect. Um, and the liner was I think shipped and everything it was like two hundred bucks. So for about five hundred dollars this year, I'm going to have a uh, forty by twenty ice rink plus the water bill. But um, you know that won't be too crazy because I just got to fill it once. The key will be whether or not you can tear it down or reuse it next year. I know. So the, the liner I know is, is obviously reusable. It's, I bought a liner from one of those like kits. Yeah. I just bought the liner and I built my own frame. 
but yeah, you're right. Is the wood is the wood gonna be you know in good enough shape that I can use it again next year? And then my other question: Did I brace it and secure it well enough that it won't buckle and break out when it's filled up with water? So more to follow. So stay tuned as we get through the winter months here in Western New York. It's how you uh, learn how to do anything, right? Just different. It's just you know, dude, you're in literally in the Caribbean, essentially, right? And I'm in Canada. It seems like. So. <laughs> Very hey, I'm, I'm impressed that you just learned how to become a form carpenter over just the desire to have a skating rink in your backyard, which is Dude, impressive right? enough. YouTube, is, YouTube does a lot of wonders right there. I watch a lot of videos. So I like working with my hands and building stuff. And sure, I can go out and, you know, I could go buy that kit, but it's not as fun as building it myself. So, yeah, and plus, know. I get all the criticism from everyone that sees me doing it. And if it doesn't work, then they're just going to all laugh at me. But hey, I'll own it. So, hey, good I'm stuff. here to support you, buddy. Thanks, man. All right. Well, that's another. That's a wrap on another good episode here. Any final thoughts from you, Ben? Whether you believe you can or believe you can't, you're right. And until next time, happy Thanksgiving, happy Black Friday, happy holidays, and go Bills. That wraps up this episode of Freight 360. Thanks for joining us. Make sure to check out all the other episodes for even more great content. Check out the show notes for links to any articles and content that we referenced on this episode. Visit us on the web at www.freight360.net. And if you'd like to learn more about a new home for your agency, contact me directly. And if you'd like to learn more about me coming out to run a free complimentary sales training for your team, check me out on LinkedIn or again at www.freight360.net.